You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best nut sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Rotorol Football Show. It's Thursday, February 22nd. I am Patrick Doherty, joined by Mr. Denny Carter and Kyle Dvorak, where you may not think we have anything to talk about, uh, but the joke's on you, because we do. Uh, we're going to ask Kyle about some of the early rookie receiver scene and best quote, best ball. Uh, we're going to talk about maybe a potential Shanny system bounce for Alvin Kamara. What about Kenneth Walker versus Zach Charbonnet next season in an offense that apparently wants to be fully established under new coach Mike McDonald. We learned about the Falcons talking up Kyle Pitts' blocking, even though, as Denny points out, uh, not a good blocker at all. He's the worst, actually. He's not a good blocker whatsoever. Then we're going to get into one of Kyle's recent articles on potential cut candidates ahead of the start of free agency. Some big names in there. Uh, but, Kyle, first, I was told you wanted to join in on the yelling about a certain <laughs> big name, uh, Derek Henry that uh, Denny and I got a little shouty on Tuesday where I was saying, Well, to be clear, I listened to it. One of you got shouty, and the other one was Denny. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, Denny, I, I, had, Denny I, I was not even fired up. Yeah, Denny doesn't <laughs> shout much. Uh, Kyle, I will will shout occasionally. And in case you did not hear Tuesday's show, I was. I think the Ravens are one of the rare teams that can't moneyball RB. They need to actually spend it running back. That it was an embarrassment and a fiasco. How shorthanded they got caught in their backfield. That everyone's like, oh, it was just the play calling that was bad against the Chiefs. Well, guess why they didn't call the run. They ain't beating the Kansas City Chiefs with Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. Uh, did you ever think about that? Did you ever even consider that for one second? <laughs> you didn't, did you? Uh, no, but Kyle, uh, what do you want to say? No, I mean, I was going to say Denny covered it, but actually Denny didn't cover much. He was like, I don't agree, and then you yelled at him for a long time. And then he goes, sure. <laughs> I, I did, I did sort of give awesome. up. You're right. Well, the yelling convinced him. He came around. He was tweeting about it afterwards. It's certainly one way to put it. The yelling it convinced was- him. I feel like if your if your team is a team in which like we need to have a highly paid running back for the offense to work, that is a grave indictment of the quarterback. Like you're saying, the quarterback is not enough to get it done. And I don't. Well, he was. He wasn't Jackson. though. No, I, I mean, though. like he had a bad game. Like he had a bad game, and the play calling was bad, and the team made some mistakes that weren't his fault. That also kind of looked like his mistakes. Like he got strip sacked on a play where like. Maybe if he was hyper aware of the of the pass rush, he could have gotten there. But like, I don't I don't blame him for the the strip sack he took. He had some missed deep throws. Also had a I, I wonder. I think in the EPA stats, the Zay Flowers fumble also goes down as a negative passing play because it was a passing play with a negative result. That probably had more play. negative EPA than any play all year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like negative really one hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so, so oh, his stats were bad. Maybe he didn't play as bad as his stats. But like PFF, who's grading, I mean, they're like film grading essentially. Also charted it as his worst game as a passer of the entire year. A hundred percent. He he bricked out in a big spot despite having a, you know good game before that and a great MVP worthy season. But like, I think to we we talked about this a week ago where we're like. We probably overanalyzed the the Super Bowl to death. Once we killed the Super Bowl to death with our analyzing, one yeah, just keep going one week backwards. At some point, (laughs) dude, I can't wait to get to the Broncos game week three or whatever. Miami, that's gonna be so fun. We overanalyzed that one to death. But so I don't think it's necessarily an indictment of Lamar. So what I think it is, this offense is built around the special running abilities of Lamar Jackson. Like as such, then the passing game always just feels a little underdeveloped. Part of it is that the receiver flyers keep not working, like what happened with the Patriots. But if the plan is to build this offense around this special trait, which is Lamar Jackson's legs, it's obviously going to be a run-based offense. And I just think it's crazy to have a run-based offense where it's all on Lamar. 
and you don't have like a plan. Like, so people are going to talk about the play calling. And it, I really think it was because they just knew Justice Hill and Gus Edwards couldn't get the job done. And I think they need someone else who can generate their own yards on the ground. And someone on Twitter, because of course I've been debating this on Twitter too, mm-hmm. uh, made the point where I think maybe the best way I could sum it up is that really it's kind of like the 49ers where obviously the 49ers could have had a lot of success with Eli Mitchell, or you could try to like amplify. This is their exact word. Amplify the edge your scheme has with the running game. Like one of the special things about your offense is how amazing the running game is. And don't just put a replacement level guy in there. Like Eli Mitchell, put someone in there like Christian McCaffrey who puts it like all the way over the top and makes it truly special. And I just do think the Ravens really are in that situation and, and that it was just like crying out because they weren't going to have passing success against the Chiefs, but there was only one guy who could make special plays on the ground that day, Lamar. Lamar should have run more, by the way, not the, the running backs. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, too. That's almost like a bigger indictment of we didn't dial up run plays. Like, I think they probably should have ran the ball more, and they ran like like Gus Edwards averaged uh, like four or five yards a carry. He had a, fun, he had a fine game as in the three carries they gave him, right? The, I think, honestly, the worst part was their lack of usage as Lamar is a runner. I get that over the whole course of a season, you do not want him going 10 carries in a game. But just like Mahomes dials up his rushing and the team dials up their offense in the playoffs, they could have done that as well. Like Lamar, like we're putting this even on your legs as well. We're at on, on your back for this game. We don't do that in the whole season, but it's time to time to step things up. But I think like it, in the confines of we're going to be a balanced offense, sure. But like I feel like upgrade at running back is treating a symptom of the disease and not the disease. The disease is you have a two-time MVP quarterback and you refuse to go past 0% pass rate over expected. When we've watched him absolutely crush efficiency numbers this year, and then he's done it. But he crushes efficiency numbers though because of the fear of his legs. It still all comes back to his legs. And they weren't scared of his legs that day because they they had shut down two of the other three elements of the offense, the passing attack and the backfield. So like whatever, he's not going to single handedly beat us with his legs, and he didn't even try. That that was bad. yeah. But I feel like if you just admit that Lamar can't beat the Chiefs through the air, he's not he's not a franchise quarterback. And I don't think that's true. Well, who 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 can beat the? Almost no one could beat this Chiefs defense through the air. I don't even really think it's that big of an indictment of Lamar. I mean, Josh Allen couldn't beat the Chiefs through the air. Uh, Mr. EPA himself, Brock Purdy, uh, not saying he looked like a plumber in the Super Bowl, but uh, he looked he didn't look like the EPA champ. I'll say that yeah, he, he looked like he knew how to fix a sink. <laughs> so we have someone in the comments right now on Twitch. This is not like a live question show or anything, but it makes the point too. If you're going to be a running team in a passing league, you got to be the best running team. And the 49ers leaned into that. I really, I just think it was a missed opportunity for the Ravens not to lean into that more. Like it was a strength that needed to be accentuated and not just like money ball. I thought this all, as you guys know, I kind of complained about this like a lot on the podcast this year. So I wasn't like a Johnny come lately to this either. I was like, the Ravens need a real running back. And I, I think like 29 out of 32 teams at any given moment in the NFL probably don't need a real running back. I and I also feel like through this, the analogy was sort of like, I especially agree with it more from the 49ers perspective of like, I think they actually do have to coddle their quarterback in a way, but like the way you guys talk about Brock Purdy is like, this guy is not a top 32 quarterback, but then make the analogy of like, well, the Ravens are that same situation. I, like, I agree. All those things being equal. They're, it's, it's, actually, it's actually is a totally different situation because it's built around the quarterbacks running. It's, it's, it's not at all analogous to Brock Purdy. I'm not comparing him to Brock Purdy because <laughs> the offense is totally built around Lamar Jackson and his rushing. Whereas the 49ers offense is built around everything but Brock Purdy. So I don't, I don't think it's like a similar situation in that regard at all. You know, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. But like, as my analogy would follow, then you don't need to spend it running back. I, I, Denny said it briefly. But if you're I, run-based like, offense, why would you not spend Don't be running. a run-based offense. But they, they're, they're always going, going to be, though, because of how special his legs are is the point. Like, no matter what, he's, he's going to be a run-based offense. He is a good thrower, though. I mean, I think you can be a we run the ball well and often offense without staying below 0% pass rate over expected when you have a quarterback who has like led the NFL in touchdown rate in multiple seasons. Like I get that some of what he does that is special is that his running enables his throwing, but he's a, he was an extremely efficient passer last year with Gus Edwards as his running back for most of the season. A few Keaton Mitchell, J.K. Dobbins games, his running is what enables his great passing on top of him having a really good arm. I don't think they need, I don't think adding Derrick Henry would increase the passing productivity of the game because it's hard to boost from where they were last year or where he was 
MVP was coming. I, I don't think it, I, to me, it's not about increasing the pass. It's making it's really is about making the running game that much more lethal and a strength that much stronger. Is what they were also the like third in EPA on run plays last year, though. Like, but what, what, what were they on run plays that weren't Lamar? It's too, it's just so. Gus has also had like, I think he has like though, the most. Because I mean, his EPA, though, is also skewed by the threat of Lamar. So and that's another point. Like, if you can have this much success with like truly replacement level running backs, why would you not try to see what happens when you have an actually elite running back? I think it's an interesting experiment potentially to 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 put a like a like a legit running back who can make plays himself. Which you know, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards are not making plays themselves. Where's your Gus now? Uh, so I so I, I do I I think it it is an interesting experiment. I, I I wanted to push back a little bit on the idea that like the Ravens are not are like refusing to pass it. Uh, his mic. Uh, but then I heard you were disagreeing with Kyle, not me. Right, right, right. So, so uh, in in the regular season, like Kyle mentioned, it was um, they were zero percent pass rate over expected. In the postseason, they were three percent over their expected pass rate. Uh, and on first on first, I'm sorry, on first and ten, they were ten percent over their expected pass rate. So they they were doing like what we wanted them to do, and uh, it didn't didn't work. Yeah, I mean, it was that Chiefs game. They passed a lot and it just didn't work. But, like, from an efficiency perspective, they were really good last year. And totally, Derrick Henry makes this team better. Like, I like this is, to be clear, not me, like, saying Gus Edwards is anything more than just a guy. But, they, like, the 49ers were by far and away the best rushing team in the NFL last year. Their rushing efficiency was as good as the 17th best passing team. If you become the best running team in the NFL – you should probably just pass more. Like you are better passing than like you're better off passing in most scenarios. So you're investing, you get such diminishing returns investing at running back. I think Derrick Henry would be sick on this team and they'd be a better running team. But like, I think the problem when you're a better is, running team though, it makes the passing better too. Just like by definition, I feel like. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. No, I, I think that's probably generally true. I don't, but I think your returns are so diminishing that like the gains you get by adding Derrick Henry over Gus Edwards move you from the third to maybe the second best running team because they're they're really good. Running I will team. just say, but I think this part can't be debated. If they had had Derrick Henry or even Jonathan Taylor, so this started too with me tweeting a poll about Jonathan yeah, Taylor. Yeah. Um, would they have won the game if they had traded for Jonathan no. Taylor? Uh, the psychological impact you're not going away from the run after three attempts everyone knows that that at the very least to me it just spoke to how truly fragile it is to go money ball running back when you're a run-based team that is like that the ravens kind of like expose their own lack of belief in the approach when after like seriously like three carries like all right we're not doing it we can't do this but they but they're they're not a run-based team they hope there, you don't think you really don't think the Baltimore the, the Baltimore Ravens are. It doesn't matter what like the play calling split is, what it, the pass rate over expected is. The whole offense is fundamentally based on the special threat of Lamar Jackson's legs. It just no, I, yeah, naturally. But under Todd Munkin, I, I I would not describe them as a run based team. I again, I do think I would like. Yeah, to, they're like a neutral team. They're like perfectly. Well, neutral. They're, 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 it's the thing. It doesn't even matter what the rate is. No matter what, it's fundamentally going to be a run-based team. I mean, but how the, do you have, when the special trait in the offense is the quarterback's legs, how are we how are we judging it though? I mean, I, the, just because I mean, just because Lamar runs, like you know, like like it's drop the thing, back. It's the, it's the thing that differentiates this offense from every other offense. To me, that's why it's like I will never like not call it a run-based offense. Like that's the killer app, the special trait of this offense. They they should invest if they're going to go in on a position. They need to go in at, at receiver. Hundred percent. Like I don't think they've, they've, they've tried this for half a decade and hasn't no, they hasn't haven't. accomplished no, they, anything. No, 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 no. They no. two first round picks they, on receivers. In the no, no. I mean, Ian, I mean, sign a three. Guy. They did three first round picks on receivers. Not a not. Don't draft. I feel like Rashad the Bateman. well. I was going to say Marquise though, that's Brown, like, Rashad Bateman, and Say Flowers. They've this, done everything. Well, uh, they to can. be clear, this is the argument that like when back to back number one overall picks fail. I guess you don't have to take a quarterback high to get a good one. You got Dak Prescott in the fourth round. Tom Brady came at pick. 895 or whatever they got them at. Like, no, like most teams should continue, continue investing at wide receiver. They've totally come up with like Marquise Brown, probably just a guy, Rashad Bateman, maybe a 53 man roster level player. And Zay Flowers, I think good number two. I don't know if I see him as number one. They've gotten a pretty mediocre run out on these investments, but like, that's not an excuse to not invest. And think about the difference from, they were a really good running team last year on the whole. It totally came up 
Uh, I don't even say it came up bad in the final game. They just gave up on it. They were a really good running team. If they get Derrick Henry, they're a better running team. And I agree, they're probably a slightly better passing team. You're bringing, like, Derrick Henry, the threat of Derrick Henry probably gives you more advantageous boxes to throw against. But that gain is going to be very marginal compared to replacing Nelson Aguilar with a first-round pick wide receiver. They're... Zay Flowers had a bunch of yards. He also had a very bad fumble. After that, they had no one who got over 40 yards, and their next best pass catchers were Justice Hill and Nelson Aguilar and then Odell Beckham. Like, that's the problem. That's the biggest problem. I also think having Gus Edwards is not an advantage of this team. It's a a disadvantage. It's It's a a problem, problem. but it's a a lower-order problem because running in the NFL can only get you so far. It's good that they're an elite running team, but, like... I I do wonder about the broader philosophical argument where... Clearly, running backs were overinvested in for decades in the NFL. But when you talk about diminishing returns, returns by definition become diminishing when all 32 teams are taking the same approach at one problem. And now the problem of running back, all 32 teams are not taking the approach of it's like as replaceable as like a punter or a kicker, which I, I, I just think most people wouldn't agree with that. Or it's, a, it's one of the most replaceable positions but every position is going to still have irreplaceable players. And just because it's one of the most replaceable positions doesn't mean all 32 teams can afford to treat it as truly interchangeable and replaceable. And I think we've probably hit the limits now of teams being able to just totally disregard the backfield. There's two ways to move the ball. There are definitely teams that can improve more or less with different running back play. Like, Dude, the Chiefs can put a, a true nobody back there. It probably doesn't make a difference. And they could get a really Chiefs good player. should never spend another dime on running. Yeah, and they could get a really good player, and it probably also would impact them less in a positive way. And the 49ers are kind of the opposite, where their running back is such a feature of their team and helps them so much and is such a like designed part of the offense that I think their, their gains and their losses are exas- exacerbated by the player in that role. But that's still like orders of magnitude down from like, if they get the best running back in the NFL, the Ravens do, they have a really good team. If they get Justin Jefferson, Lamar's probably winning three more MVPs. Like, just, you have to shoot for those kinds of games. Do you really you think that's shoot. true after watching yes, this passing attack for five years? I really don't. Listen, no, if you. I think if we you, would know by now. Like, no, no, if you look at Lamar. No, what? So, we so, would so know they, if Lamar was like truly going to be that kind of quarterback. Lamar is never going to put a team on his back and win via the passing. Lamar. Well, this, the this sounds package. like a strong argument to not have Lamar as your quarterback. No, no, yeah. no. Lamar is special it, because of the entire package. It's you got to trade him then. No, you, you don't. Trade him. No, you do not. Lamar is not going to He's gonna got special him. traits that no one else has. So but you have to, I think, accentuate and go all in on those traits rather oh. than trying to make him something he's not. He shouldn't be a 35 to 40 attempt passer. He just shouldn't be. It needs to be about accentuating his special traits, which I, I don't think like, they're doing a good enough job accentuating his special traits. I would like to see Lamar Jackson drop back 40 times, not throw the ball 40 times, drop back 40 times. Let's see what happens. Let's see if yeah, I feel crazy. Like Lamar is not a guy who can put a team on his back. I don't agree with, but I do think if you think that, they're just going to trade him. Like they should have traded him. Do not agree with that. I think you can. I just don't think they're doing it in the most efficient fashion possible. Which way? What don't you agree with? They they need to do everything they can to accentuate his special traits. His yeah, I know. His running is one of the most special traits in like the history of the league. Like it's not not even just special for a quarterback or special. It's like one of the most special traits in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I I think think they're squandering it if they're trying to have him throw 35, 40 times. To friggin' you know, like Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman. Like, go <laughs> uh, all in. Make a lethal rushing attack. Make a truly lethal rushing yeah, attack. Yeah, I just don't think you can win in the NFL that way these days. Like, you, imagine- you can't. You, you can't. The 49ers almost just did it. Like, the, but the, the whole, the whole issue, it. Pat, the reason you and I were successfully betting on the Chiefs in the Super mm-hmm. Bowl was that when you coddle your quarterback and you face Patrick Mahomes, hand, hand you your L, buddy. You cannot take it. And I think the, the coddling would be 100% different. But if you think that Lamar is so specific that he needs to rely on this run game. Every quarterback is so specific is the thing. It's not even just a Lamar thing. Everyone has a unique set of traits that you need to go all in on and build around. And I just don't think yeah. they're doing it. The Chiefs are doing it. Mahomes is so special that they're, you cannot do it with Mahomes and he can still win the Super Bowl. Yeah. But I just don't think they're doing enough to take advantage of his special traits. Yeah, I just think the, the argument of, like, how do you take advantage of it sounds like how do you build a 1990s offense, and it would be a... It's, building a 1990s offense at this point might be an advantage. You, you're going to have to zag at some point. 
Uh, you have to zag at some yeah, point. No. <laughs> you really do. Why do you think teams can't throw the ball anymore deep? Why? Why? Like they put two safeties out there, and it's like they've never like seen a defense. Like the whole cycle is starting over again. It's never going to go back to the way it was, where it's like a run-based league, of course. But we're seeing like the cycle restart in real time. Where yeah, teams well, are totally trending downward by like one yeah. two safety look. Um, but I, I will say passing efficiency still is like orders of magnitude. It's not like better than running. It is miles better than running. Like you can't build. I mean, I don't think we can, you know, the 49ers have sort of ventured in that realm and the Ravens. I will say, you, I would say you can't do it is wrong. Two of the championship game participants were all in on the run, the Lions and the 49ers. So to say like you can't have success with it is like not correct. Sure. I, yeah. I, I maybe can't is, is not Fair, but I think it's probably a suboptimal way to build. It's not. Obviously, it's not sub. It's not. It's not the most optimal. But just because it's not the most optimal doesn't mean it's suboptimal. There, well, sub. That's well. I'm saying there's one thing that's optimal, and then anything that isn't is suboptimal. But <laughs> all 32 teams can't have the optimal approach. Is the sure. Point. Well, I I would say any team that can't should try. Like, you should just be shooting for the next Josh Allen every two years. Like. Well, I was going to give Kyle a quick word on the Ravens. And then Man, we, we went on. We spoke. Uh, the, the good news is it's February 22nd, guys. We've got time. We're we finally do. we finally have gotten to the bottom of the Chiefs-Ravens game that took place four weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we solved it. Everyone was wondering what happened for weeks, and they were like, when are Denny, Pat, and Kyle going to talk about it? We did. We it. did. It's solved. But we, we too, like, it was a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, I know we just had a heated debate two days ago. Um, about this very topic, we're going to give Kyle a brief word on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know, I set my hands on fire playing with this bonfire two two days ago. But here's a bunch of gasoline and matches. Do it with you will. All right, and boy, did we. Real quick, before we get to our first topic, I'm going to read our first promo. We will be right back after this. Spring training is here, so for those looking to get ahead of the up on the upcoming MLB season. Grab your Roto World Baseball Draft Guide. It's loaded with comprehensive positional rankings, projections, and player profiles to ensure your draft is a success. Visit NBCSports.com/draftguide and use promo code Baseball24 to get 10% off at checkout. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Extra, give it to you. How about that? That's a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So Denny could barely speak because I had to resume my shout fest with someone <laughs> else. But we are going back to Kyle. Because Kyle, he's our best ball guy. Well, Denny's a best ball guy. We're all kind of best ball guys at this point. But Kyle has got his, his ear to the ground of the best ball world. And to Denny and I, sure, people are already drafting Kyle. Like, oh, buddy, are uh, they? What's, are there any early trends? And our producer, Adam, wanted to know about the rookie wide receiver trends because we don't know what teams they're going to be on. Uh, what is some stuff going on with the rookie wide receivers, the teamless rookie wide receivers in the early best ball drafts? Well, yeah, that was the the trend that there are a lot of things that are going to stick out. I think we'll see the quarterback landscape shake up a lot after last year, which was like, I'm going to say it was fluky in the sense of every freaking quarterback draft from like the eighth round to the 12th round got hurt or benched and all the early quarterbacks were successful. I think some of that's fluky. Some of that is, that is us getting better at predicting the top quarterbacks. So we can talk about that another day. The one that just immediately jumps out is the ADPs of the rookie wide receivers. Marvin Harrison going as ADP 19, Malik Neighbors at 35, Rome Odunze going at 56, Brian Thomas at 78. 
And then Troy Franklin, I think, is just outside the top 100. But, like, think about where we were drafting Jamar Chase and now where we are drafting Marvin Harrison, which is well inside the second round. Like, we have come a long way. I still think I'm mostly fine with these ADPs, but it is insane to think that Jamar, I think Jamar Chase and Marvin Harrison Jr. are in a very similar, they're in the same tier of prospects, which is they're the two best wide receiver prospects, probably since Calvin Johnson, I'd say. This is Amari Cooper, at least. Oh, Amari Cooper's a great one. Actually, he's probably, he's to me, he's a great floor example, somewhere around the floor of Marvin Harrison. I'm like, Amari Cooper never ascended to the greatest heights of wide receiver dumb. He's been damn good for a long time. That's kind of the good a good floor comp for him. People kind of forget how huge of a prospect he was. Great. Oh, no, I totally forgot. He was so good. He checked every freaking box as a wide receiver. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of those three. I'd say actually, since Julio would maybe be the next. Julio and AJ Green were really like they were both. uh, AJ Green was a quote better prospect than Mm -hmm. Julio Jones. Didn't quite work out that way. It almost worked out that way. But, uh, I'm not listen. I'm not complaining here. This is going to sound like a complaint. I'm not complaining. It's actually a compliment to the best ball <laughs> folks. Okay, it's a, it's an efficient system. Like the, like anybody who's drafting best ball teams in February is so into it, is so eyeball deep into it that they're they're not letting anything slip past them. Like Marvin Harrison going in the top twenty. Yeah, that's efficient. You well, know, is like, Marvin Harrison a top twenty pick? If we we know for well, sure, Kyler what, Murray is what, what I mean is like is like it's become efficient. So maybe if you did a best ball Jeff three four years ago, you would have had a guy like him. I mean, I, I remember rookies dropping into like the mid rounds. I mean, yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah, yeah. wasn't Jamar Chase like a fourth fifth round pick? Right, and then we got right. the then we got the drops in training camp bit that dropped him like around. Oh man, how and, I long for the so, days. So so it's if you're drafting against these people who are drafting best ball teams right now. You're not getting away with anything, right? I mean, I, I've, I've got some spots where I think I, we're still getting away with stuff, but you are getting away with way less nowadays okay. than you were okay. years ago. There's, you know, I look at the ADPs and there's still some some stuff I like a lot, but we are so much closer to like properly yeah. valuing certain situations, like the rookie wide receivers. Well, uh, I would say though, it's kind of everything is like a balance. We're now like we're, we're making sure. Like we're not like overlooking potential value with rookies, but then it just leads to overlooking potential value with veterans. Yeah, and that's I, true. No one wants to take the vet. I I never I never draft a player over the age of like twenty four. <laughs> um, just to be clear, uh, but like I feel like lots of really winning fantasy players are always like super in on veterans, and because like, I mean all, all Kyle and all all you guys were were into Lenny. We're into Lenny Fournette. <laughs> yeah, right? Of course, we chose the one veterans. I don't well, remember. Exactly. I'm trying to think. Was there a rookie receiver last year that everyone was all in on? And I go, same like uh, this guy's not going to do anything. Remember his name by the name of Jason. Um, oh, the oh literal, I name different rookies. He's the literal number three receiver on his own team. I had he's somehow going in the top fifty. I had intense FOMO about Jason because I was like, mm-hmm. I can't draft him, but like everybody, all, all the smart people I know are drafting him. I that was, I just genuinely did not ever understand that one. He was of the number I was three super receiver excited about Quentin Johnson. I was I was very excited about Quentin Johnson. I was never excited about him because of Mr. Froton, Eric Froton. Uh, I asked, I called Eric yeah. one day and asked him to give me the breakdown on the prospect class, and he's like, he disappears for games at a time. I'm like oh, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's funny. I did not. I was not in on Johnson as a prospect, and then he goes to the Chargers, and we've got all this Chargers hype, and I was like. Let's yeah. not, you know, be so overconfident that I'm some sort of oracle of receiver talent. Let's draft the guy who the NFL thought was talented That's true. on a good team. You know what? I should have been the oracle on that one. I should have said, no, not taking Quentin Johnston. Because I, I agree with Froton that I didn't think he was in the mix as a first-round receiver. I knew the NFL would sort of see him that way. And uh, I was right. And I still drafted him a bunch, and I was wrong. So uh, just real quick on Quentin Johnston. So it's it's frustrating when everything goes right and then it doesn't it doesn't it still doesn't work. So I thought, okay, well he's he's redundant. He's a redundant pick for a team that has Mike Williams. So Mike Williams is going to have to miss time this year. So I'm going to draft Quentin Johnston with the idea that maybe Mike Williams missed time and then Mike Williams goes down with a season-ending injury. And I said, I'm in. It worked. It worked. Only it didn't work. Okay, well, okay. Keenan Allen's taking up so many targets. What if he misses time later yeah. in the year? Then <laughs> Quentin Johnston. Oh, what if Alex Erickson misses time? Then, then maybe. See, they oh, had SoFi Stadium security guards running routes over. They really Johnson. did. They that really did. It was a huge bust. And uh, boy, yeah, he's get ready to speak Jim Harbaugh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> 
Actually, he's probably a good fit for Harbaugh. No, we're, no, we're, we're, no. he's a great fit in that he they're is. gonna they're gonna run the ball a lot and not exactly. pass. And that's well, they're, they're gonna run the ball a lot, and then we're gonna pick our spots deep. And you better be open. Uh, I, I don't know. He, he, I, he's the thing is he's not gonna be open, and if he is, he's not gonna catch it. Like I feel like I feel like we're gonna be writing a lot of Quentin Johnston healthy scratch for <laughs> this year. <laughs> it is so true. Well, he probably. Oh, oh, I just thought of something though, really bad actually. What is the one thing a coach loves more than life itself? It's a when you have receiver? yes, a blocking, a blocking receiver. receiver. No, it's when you have a big game against them. And Quentin Johnston oh, yeah. didn't he go nuts against Michigan in the national semifinal uh, two years ago? He had a good game, I think. Yeah. So like, Harbaugh oh, is going to be remembered. Coaches do love that. This guy lit us up in the national semi. Mm. I mean, you literally see this in free agency all the time. Players who have a good game against a certain team are like, I think mathematically <laughs> more likely so than one out of thirty-two to sign with that team. No, it's true. He he let us up in Houston or wherever the game was played. That's pretty funny. So we'll see what happens. Kyle, are there any other trends, or is it too early to really be identifying trends in best ball? No, I mean, that that one's the most interesting. I, I guess let me dovetail this, because I was talking about this to some other people in Discord. Uh, Chargers, what do they pick? Number five? Five, I believe. Five. Number five. Let's assume it's kind of a chalk run out. Three quarterbacks, Marvin Harrison. Uh, what are you doing? Like To me, it is so incredibly obvious that you take Malik Neighbors there. Uh, I just think you have to write off Quentin Johnson and say, like, if you get anything from him now on, great. Love it. He's a lottery ticket. Treat him like a fifth, fifth sixth-round pick. We'll talk about it later. They have one, if not two, receivers who could be cut. I think Mike Williams is more likely. And even if not, you've got aging veteran receivers. You need to backfill talent at this point, even if you had Quentin Johnson doing something. And you probably don't. It feels like a layup to take Malik Neighbors. Maybe you could argue Brock Bowers there. On the other hand, that seemingly conflicts with their extremely run-heavy game plan that I think is looking more and more likely by the day. Well, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, this man, I feel like this is destiny to draft Brock Bowers. I just got scared thinking about yeah. that. Um, but I don't know what they're going to – they'll take defense. They're going to take defense, I think. Um Wow, maybe an offensive lineman. I think he's he's going all in on the trenches. It's going to be weird, man. It's going to be weird seeing a Chargers team that goes all in, like you said, all in on the trenches, like like uh, maybe a dominant offensive and defensive lines. Like, what's going on? Like, it doesn't even, it doesn't make sense at all. Like, L.A. Like that stadium, like the 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 the, char- the Chargers uh, uniform, the political the climate, the people I, there. Pass it there now. It's going to be so. Uh, off-putting. Off, I'm already. I'm already mm-hmm. tilted. My face is tilting off just thinking about Jim Harbaugh in LA. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I believe though he is like a lifelong California resident, isn't he? Or is he from California? Are they from Indiana? I think. I don't know where they're from? Doesn't. Matter. I don't think they make good coaches in California. Like they're all from like Youngstown, <laughs> Ohio. They are seriously all from where Kyle grew up. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> we we move on to Shanny system bounce for Alvin Kamara? Question mark. Denny. Uh, New Orleans dot football's Nick Underhill believes yeah. New Saints OC Clint Kubiak will install a run game that provides Kamara with quote more space to operate. For, are we one hundred percent positive Kamara's on the team? Kyle? No. Um, no, no, we're not. Okay, Denny, take us through that. Are we one hundred percent positive Kamara's even on the team? And then are we buying in to his fit in a Kyle Shanahan style system? As many folks online uh, told me, uh, Kamara is a cut candidate, and. Uh, so uh, we could be talking about another lead back in New Orleans, whether it's a rookie or someone they pick up in free agency or whatever. But, you know, Nick Underhill kind of broke down what Clint Kubiak would bring to the New Orleans offense. And part of that is these outside zone runs, which Kamara has had success with in the past. It's just that the Saints have kind of refused to use them for, for reasons that Underhill could not understand, and I, I also can't understand. We've seen Kamara used as a battering ram, you know, an inside running battering ram, which just doesn't uh, doesn't pass the smell test at all. Um, so Christian McCaffrey in this Shanahan system on those outside run plays averaged 2.2 yards before contact per rush. That's outrageous, okay, 2.2. Uh, Kamara last year averaged around one. Uh, and so if, if that's the spacing part, if you can get Kamara out in space, he can make something happen. Now cut candidate age 29 season. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. It could be good for him if he sticks around. Yeah. Not to pile on, but pretty inefficient last year is his worst season by yards after contact by rush yards over expected, uh, by missed tackles forced. And they were using him poorly, like totally concede that. But 
And then his second worst season by a lot of metrics was the year before that. And his best seasons were his rookie and his third year. I think second year, I think it was a little banged up. It's like the trend line is very clearly pointing in one direction. I do think a better running scheme will help ease the downward trend that all yeah. like athletes face. That's just how like time and the human body work. Well, and time for him. He's taken so many hits the past mm-hmm. years. They just have not been using him properly. He's got so many soft injuries too. Like, They've like used career. up his his like running back life force. Basically. Yeah. He's he was still a really efficient pass catcher last year, still crushed it in yards per route run and PFF receiving grade. And I think there's, I think there's a strong argument to be made that just a lot of their inside running stuff should be handled by Kendra Miller. Like, I, I think Jamal Williams under contract, but could maybe be cut. I forgot about Kendra Miller. Man. <laughs> yeah, I know everyone. But you want to know who forgot about Kendra Miller? <laughs> the New Orleans Saints, buddy. But he looked good in his final and really only game of the year. I think it was in Week 18. Give him some of the more body blows type of stuff. Take Alvin Kamara back to that 120 carries and 80 catches Alvin Kamara from 20, like 18. Because one, he's still a great pass catcher. He's still like one of the best at that. And two, just he's clearly taking a step back in terms of his between the tackle speed. Don't make him do as much of that anymore. Since we are now a run-based podcast, we will stick in the backfield in Seattle, Denny, where the new head coach, Mike McDonald, said the team would emphasize the run in 20... So curious, uh, you guys are all saying the Ravens need to pass more, and then the guy who's just coming out of Baltimore is like, we got to run. We got to run, run, run. I mean, um, what do you expect, Pat? He's a defensive coach. Of course he wants to run. He's a, he doesn't have any interest in actually scoring points. Um, so what... Yeah, Zach Charbonnet versus Kenneth Walker in 2024. It got weird in 2023. What do we think for 2024? I mean, Walker, you know, per the metrics, had a better season. But I was actually surprised when I was doing research for that blurb uh, that uh, Charbonnet and Walker were kind of head-to-head in some pretty important ones, like um, the rate of 10-yard uh, rushes, uh, yards after contact per rush. Like, they, they were, they were kind of in line with each other, I, I don't think that Charbonnet is going to overtake Walker like in, in training camp or anything, but it's worth noting that Charbonnet wasn't bad, even though he was kind of inefficient when Walker was out and he had his chance, didn't didn't really make the most of it. I I, I, I do think that the Seahawks just want to be, you know, that team. They want to go back to like their roots, like how they made to, made it to the Super Bowl a couple times, which is running the ball and playing defense. And so you make this higher. I, and, I, and I'm not surprised to hear that hire say we got to establish it. I, I agree totally about what they want to do, which I don't understand why they didn't just keep the master of that around. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I'm going to be still cautiously optimistic. The The OC they, they made, Ryan Grubb, uh, the Washington, I believe, head coach, uh, the Huskies, like Washington uh College football I think team he was the offensive he, he was going to be their offensive coordinator after DeBoer left, and then he immediately left for a better job in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. um, he, oh, yeah, oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, he had a high, well above average pass rate over expected. His teams threw deep. They had a really advantageous setup of somewhere in the NFL caliber quarterback and lots of NFL caliber receivers on that team. So I don't want to read too much into it. They also play on the West coast and things get really weird with the passing out there. This guy plays in the big 10. He's got a 2% pass rate over expected. I'm sure of it, but the OC hire they made, I think was a really strong pass game. OC hire. How much of that gets to leak through when the head coach is mandating this, you know, run first, establish it type of mentality. I don't know, but I'm going to choose to remain a little optimistic. Also, in the quote uh, from McDonald, he said, like, I know this is coach speak. Like, yeah, what is he going to say? Like, we want to be one of these frou-frou 10% pass rate over expected. Yeah. Of course, he's not going to say that. No coach <laughs> ever says that. Who said that kind of stuff? So I, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about the passing attack still. It is I'm unfortunate really- that they can't say that, that they have to say. I know. <laughs> we want to possess the ball. Okay. They want to make people like me happy, apparently. I'm a run guy now. No, yeah, I mean, yeah. You're, hey, look, we needed one on the show. It was, it was embarrassing when all three of us were like, well, the analytics, you got to do this. <laughs> we, needed a, we needed a hard L on this show. By the way, it says on Ryan Grubb's Wikipedia that on January 14th, 2024, Grubb announced on X, parentheses, formerly known as Twitter. Uh-huh. This is actually okay. on his Wikipedia, which I absolutely despise, um, that he would be leaving Washington after not being selected to become the new head coach. So, yeah, he was – uh, he was never hired to like remain yeah, yeah. offensive coordinator or whatever. He left uh, after he wasn't the head coach. 
Uh, wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't, A, spend 20 minutes arguing about the Ravens for some reason, and B, talking about Kyle Pitts for some reason, Denny. Uh, where the Falcons' tight ends coach, Kevin Kroger, said the team views Pitts as an asset in the running game. Yeah. He pointed out that that might not be true. And what does this mean for his 2024? Yeah, season? I mean, it's it. this is, comes a week after a uh, new offensive coordinator in Atlanta, Zach Robinson, said that uh, he sees Pitts as a versatile piece in the offense who, you know, can be used in, in a number of ways. And then the tight ends coach comes out and says he's an asset, not in the running, in the in run blocking. He, he like specifically said run blocking. And, and so, you know, I looked into it. Not strongly, just just cursory. You didn't have to look into it strongly because the results were obvious. And and the only so out of 110 qualifying tight ends on on the Pro Football Focus grades blocking grades for tight ends, Pitts was 109th. The only guy worse, can you guess? Taysom Hill. Oh, that was that's a good guess. First. Oh, okay. Okay. He was the only. He was the only guy worse. And you know, and a and a bunch of Falcons fans chimed in and were like. I hope Pitts does well, but man, like he has no interest in blocking. So, <laughs> he's, he's a turnstile. I, I will say uh, two years ago and what, three seasons ago now, his rookie in a second season, he was just your run of the mill below average run blocker. Like, Why would you have Kyle Pitts block? Like, just, well, I mean, you, you keep him out there because the moment, if you're like only subbing him off for run plays, the moment yeah, Kyle yeah, Pitts yeah, is yeah, not yeah, on the field, you're like, you've very clearly tipped your hand. He was like 50, 53rd and 61st in run blocking grade, which is to say like, not good. Like, no, doesn't deserve any credit for being a run blocker, but maybe not the worst in the NFL. And that also goes along with the dude having a bum knee for an entire year. And not only did his run blocking stats fall off a cliff, Obviously, his, his receiving stats did as well. So I think he might not be so bad as a blocker that you can't play him on play action. But like, he, he's like the kind of guy, how, how could he be a good blocker? He's like 6'8". You yeah. know, can this guy really be right. a good blocker? Like, he's, like, he's like tall and thin. Like, yeah, what? Like, know. come on. That's not It's not happening. What's also not happening is us not taking a short break. We'll be right back after this. This Saturday, the Premier League is back on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Watch Manchester City continue their hunt for a fourth straight Premier League title when they take on Bournemouth. Coverage begins at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. Ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric CDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Denny, who's the best player in Manchester City? Well, there's uh, there's Johnson, I think. Uh, there, I, I, there's there's Smith. I, you can't forget about Smith. Is, is England? You can always guess a Smith. Uh, yeah. And there, Erling Aland was there in the promo. He's mm-hmm. a, a great Nordic man. Uh, Wait, how do you spell his last name? H a a l a n d. Ooh, glad you didn't ask me because I would have said, "Don't they have a Holland?" Which yeah. uh, would have been correct, uh, just not phonetically. I believe he does Aland. Yeah, Adam's pointing out Kevin De Bruyne might be their best overall player. Erling Aland oh, is yeah. their most explosive uh, scorer. He's one of the most explosive scorers in the history of the Premier League. Why was soccer all over my TV this morning? Uh, I don't know. Or why were you were watching something it? about Messi? Messi playing somewhere? Uh, they were like they've been on like a global tour, and he didn't play a few places, and it upset oh. a few people. <laughs> and he's just enjoying retirement, even though he's playing. 
he's enjoying retirement with Miami oh. FC or whatever. Oh, oh, so it's like when a member of the media retires and starts a podcast. Yeah, kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, like yeah. It yeah. very much is. <laughs> this is his it, podcast. I believe he didn't play in Hong Kong, and they were very, very upset because hmm. the only reason to ever go see the Miami MLS team plays, of course, if Messi is playing for it. Wait, wait, wait. The, the, the Miami MLS team travels worldwide? They will. You travel worldwide when you have Lionel Messi. Is yeah. the deal? Um, okay. <laughs> St. Louis, St. Louis City FC just won their first game in the North American Champions League. Denny, but you didn't know that. Oh no, I didn't. I I can be honest about that. <laughs> I even follow MLS. What in God's name is the North American Champions League? I forget what the actual official name of it. We have like a Champions League though. Um, That's not the. <laughs> We got absolutely wrecked by one of the, the best Mexican teams last year, America, I believe they're called. They came into St. Louis, and folks, we were not ready for what oh, America wait. had to offer. Oh, wait, is this just the – it's like the, the Liga MX teams get to play yeah, the yeah, MLS yeah. teams, and I assume some of the South American or the like, yes, you know, yes, Brazilian yes. teams. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I, don't think it's, I don't think it really goes into South America. Okay, all right. But, yeah, I remember looking at the bracket, and I was thinking, oh, a lot of MLS teams getting knocked out early. Yeah, we weren't ready for what uh, America – had to bring to the great state of Missouri. We'll be better. So, are you saying America right now? I am. They're they're called. It's one of the most famous Mexican soccer teams. It's called America. Um, but but, it, but you don't pronounce it that way. It's like America, kind of. Um, okay. I, don't know. I, I just I just I was very confused. I'm. It's not how I. Yeah, it's not how I normally pronounce America. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it. So the the, the the Confederation of States that I'm from is America. Um, but yeah, they, they don't pronounce it the same way in Mexico, did he? Uh, moving on to cut candidates from Kyle's recent article where he's regaled us with tales of those who may be cleared for salary cap space ahead of free agency, which begins disconcertingly soon. Um, yeah, so I got a few of your St. Louis players on this cut list thing, apparently. <laughs> the uh, the uh, March 11th is when the legal tampering period begins, Kyle. Who is a cut candidate? Who's the first cut candidate you want to talk about your article? Really good read over at NBCSports.com. Yeah, I think from a fantasy perspective, one of the most interesting ones this offseason will be Joe Mixon, who has already gotten in a Twitter dust up with fans or writers wow. about about people mm-hmm. speculating on if he's being cut. I actually think it's probably more likely than not that he that he stays, but they have a really interesting in that it's mostly wide open backfield. If he is not on this roster come week one, it would either be roll the dice with Chase Brown, who wasn't highly drafted, but was really explosive for a limited sample as a rookie, or more likely than not, they have to go back to the well and draft a running back. I don't think they would cut Mixon just to sign a running back who probably make something similar to Mixon. They probably want a rookie contract running back. And I mean, if you put a young explosive running back in a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, probably at least one more year of T Higgins offense, like that guy, as long as he's taken in the like first hundred picks of the draft, could be the dynasty RB1 for rookie drafts because it's a very weak class. If the fifth best running back gets to play for the Bengals, I might make him the first best running back. Denny, do we think that the Bengals will be forced to renegotiate Joe Mixon's contract for the third time? For the third time. Uh, I I would be actually shocked. I mean, we were reading the tea leaves this time last year, and it, was, it seemed like a 100% certainty Mixon was not going to be on the team. Uh, you had their front office – People talking in past tense when it came to it. Well, he served us well and, and this and that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, so, <laughs> so, so I, I will. It's not impossible because apparently they, they can't quit mixing. It's like Kirk Cousins. Once he's I, on the roster, he never leaves. I, I, I will say, right. I will say, though, that um, in the piece I wrote, uh, which folks can find on the site, on, on uh, how teams handle two high coverages and the Bengals primarily just check down over and over and over again, like we talked about on Tuesday's pod. That has something to do with a lack of explosiveness in the backfield. And when I talked to ESPN's Ben Baby about that situation, he said, "Until something changes with the running back situation, it's there. This is going to continue into 2024 and 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 beyond." Um, Mixon is not a threat. Like teams do not perceive him as a threat. Uh, Chase Brown, way more of a threat in my humble opinion than uh, than, than than Mixon. I'm hoping that the Bengals just just hand it all to Chase Brown. I think he's an exciting player, very productive in college, and it, unbelievably fast last year with the ball. I think that he, like, broke records with the, in next-gen stats. So let's, let's, let's do this. You know, let's, 
Let's get Chase Brown going. Let's force teams to stop playing too high on 80% of their uh, passing plays and, and, uh, and, and change things around for the Bengals. Denny, it sounds like you think running backs matter. Yeah. I will say Denny is advocating to give the guy that they spent a peanuts on all of the carries, to be clear. Well, he well, was, yeah. but he was saying, Ben Baby's time, well, well, we stink in the backfield until we get a real running back. We're screwed. Um, I mean, somebody who who threatens the defense and Joe Mixon, who is paid handsomely for running back, um, is not doing that. So would you say that Denny Gus Edwards and Justice Hill threatened the defense? Sorry, I'm not sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> we can't. We can't. We can't. We're legally barred from talking about the Ravens until September. Yeah, actually, I fully agree on Chase Brown, by the way. Or I feel like he like lived up to his pre-draft. He's fine. Basically, um, and they need to give him a longer look. But man, they – how many guys have risen and fallen in this backfield behind Joe Mixon? Like it's insane. Like we had, know. had a half a century of Travion Williams discourse and yeah. nothing ever happened. Uh, who's the, the other running back, the, the Michigan running back, who's also just a backup who never did anything for them. Like literally last year, like two years ago. Forget there was, there were two Travions. I know uh, there's no way to find out though, which running back. <laughs> the Bengals. Uh, 2022 Cincinnati Bengals. Pro football reference. I'm not typing. Chris Evans. Was it Chris Evans? Yes, Chris Evans. That's correct. Um, Joe Mixon has made a, a career out of outlasting people in this backfield. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's probably going to do it again too. Like, I, eight and a half million. They're going to have to renegotiate him. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I think last off season he just like functionally took a, a bit of a pay cut, and it wouldn't surprise me again because they can save just shy of six million by cutting him. Mm-hmm. And given their current situation of Jamar Chase needs a contract, T. Higgins is probably getting the franchise tag. They'd love to give him a long-term contract. There are priorities on this team well ahead of let's keep Joe Mixon around. But I think for Joe Mixon, like you get to play on the Bengals. Like you get to go to the playoffs every year, assuming Joe Burrow stays healthy, you get to go to the playoffs every year. Like this is a successful offense that will see put you up to succeed in the best of your ability. You don't want to go sign like a two-year deal with the Titans right now. Well, and even yeah. I feel like even if the Bengals value him less than they did last year, they still might value him more than any other team in the league. So he might. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, I could see that for sure. He he will be cut if his contract is not adjusted. So he's definitely a cut candidate in that regard. Um, the way you guys laid it out, I sort of feel like he will be cut. Actually, the, with T and the Jamar situations, I don't really know how you can. It's almost untenable, even if he renegotiates to keep Joe Mixon. But Kyle, who's another cut candidate from your article? Yeah, this one is, I don't want to say it's not for the money purposes, but at least the money doesn't work out as cleanly it's, as the Joe it's Mixon. Personal. It's personal. <laughs> it's, it's personal. I did have I did have a few guys where I'm like, this guy doesn't save money, but like they just need to split. Like I had Terrace Marshall in there. I'm like, fine, Terrace Marshall and go oh. home. Just let the, <laughs> let the two separate. This one is Michael Gallup. Uh, they don't save really any money by cutting him unless they designate it as a post-June 1st cut in which they save just shy of $10 million. But I mean, Gallup has a top twenty-four hit for a cap hit for a wide receiver in twenty twenty-four. He was sixty-eighth in yards per route run. They platooned him with Jalen Tolbert, who, if you remember, Jalen Tolbert was like last year, as in like now, almost two years ago, was like the off-season hype. And then the moment he stepped on the field in training camp, this guy's not an NFL caliber player. Yeah. They platooned that guy with Michael Gallup over the second half of the year. They're almost splitting the wide receiver routes perfectly evenly so I, I think it's more of it's time to move on from this guy who just because of sort of bad injury luck it seems at least because it was was it a torn ACL like it was an ACL and it's 2021 yes and it's a reminder that they usually go seamlessly these days but there are still times where they do not go seamlessly yeah he was never the same never the same and also just a reminder too there are different degrees like different degrees of athletes where like some guys can afford to lose five to 10% of their explosiveness. Michael Gallup probably was always, we should have known was not that kind of athlete mm-hmm. and could not afford to lose any more explosiveness. And yeah. He, the only thing Jerry loves his guys so, mm-hmm. so much. I know it's, but yeah, they probably, they got to cut him. Yeah, I mean, they they held on to Zeke for like two more years than they should have because they loved him. And it was like, they, you could tell they were heartbroken to move on from Zeke. So I think, about it. I know, I know. So I, I do think ultimately Gallup, you can talk about Mixon, where I think he's more interesting to talk about, but I don't actually know if he's the most likely cut candidate for the team. Michael Gallup does seem like a fairly likely cut candidate because they're platooning him with Jalen Tolbert. Like it's clear he doesn't have much of a role for this team, even though you have to designate it as a post-June 1st cut to get much of the like financial ramifications of it. Feels like something they almost have to do. 
uh, MVS kind of. Fits uh, hold on, I was gonna say. You, oh, yeah. you my, I was gonna say. Next guy you say should be cut. Curiously, they've never lost a Super Bowl since. <laughs> you think? He yeah. Be cut. Uh, <laughs> MVS is like another guy who, like, I think he has a role on this. He has a role on this team. It's just what is the dollar value of that role? And it's like Michael Gallup. I think he could be a team's wide receiver four, but he's being paid like a wide receiver two. MVS is like a deep cut wide receiver five on a team. And he's being paid way he's, more. He's, he's not. He actually is not the wide receiver five in real life. They still used him to like clear out space. No, I'm saying that's his talent level is a wide yeah, receiver yeah. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And because he's on the roster being paid as much as he is, they use him as their wide receiver too. They absolutely do. But like, he just runs wind sprints. You can pay someone uh, $7.50 an hour to do that. <laughs> he has come up big. In a, he, like, I, he actually had a great Super Bowl redemption arc uh, in this playoff run. But he's a player who just has contributed so little to the team that could use an upgrade at receiver or receiver two if you want to crown Rice the wide receiver one so desperately. And this is such a good draft to be taking a late first-round receiver. It's the deepest draft at receiver in years. So to me, the cap ramifications make a ton of sense. They can save like $12 million by cutting him. And it's an easy time to backfill his role. The only fear I feel like with MVS is that it's a renegotiation where they keep him around for some reason, and oh yeah, that uh, would not be good for fantasy. They seem to like him. I mean, they, they do. Seem, they, they yeah, seem I mean, they love Justin Watson. They love Justin Watson too, and he falls in that same bucket of like, what do you do here? You clear out space. I don't know, man. You're I, a good locker room guy. And well, the problem, the problem is, all they say now is when we say this, count the rings. I right. exactly so, say ultimately yeah, it, they have had success with doing this, so it's hard to argue against them. But please add add Troy Franklin in the MBS role. Add Brian Thomas in the MBS role. They so they the Chiefs I think have they potentially could draw the wrong lessons from winning two straight Super Bowls, which is mm-hmm. that like. The way you win, to win two straight Super Bowls is you have Justin Watson and MBS running running routes and not drawing any targets. That that's not it. Like they got they got away with it despite having the worst wide receiver room in the NFL. Okay, and and they and they weren't quite getting away with it per EPA per success rate. Okay, so so well, they they need games to the, matter once the, once the games matter. <laughs> they need to draw the right lessons, which is to uh, revamp completely revamp this offense except for healthy and pacheco and that's it i don't i don't think they'll re revamp because like you said they're i don't want to say they're going to draw the wrong lessons i think paying a ton of money for a wide receiver the chiefs don't necessarily have to do but no. as it turns out there's a cheat code in which every uh the last weekend of april they let you take wide receivers for like two million dollars over right. four years do that a lot of that in fact yes. i think if they approached yes. wide receiver like the the packers have whereas they both actually traded away their you know superstar wide receiver one at the same time but the packers backfilled with like modest quality the chiefs in- tried to in their defense, they I did mean, Sky more, and then they did. I, I, yeah, I, I agree, but I think they should keep this up and probably go a little harder. And that the Packers were also drafting a bunch of receivers on day three. They were taking like fourth round picks, seventh round picks, like priority UDFAs. I think their approach of like we don't need a first round receiver, but let's go second round, third round, fifth round. That is like the ideal approach for the Chiefs because I think that's a smart way to moneyball wide receiver. Keep churning through cheap but high upside options. Yeah. Yeah. And and you don't even have to extend them at the end of their contract. I think that would be a fair takeaway from the success of the past two Chiefs uh, Super Bowls. My fear is that their takeaway is you have to spend nothing. You get to spend right, absolutely right, nothing. I doubt right. that that will be the takeaway. I, I hope not. By the way, Darnell Mooney to Kansas City. That's going to happen. Ugh. Yeah, it's like, man. Why, yeah. Are you, why are you guys cringing? Why not? <laughs> what's, what's wrong with that? You, you can't Darnell be the only Mooney. one that thinks a team full of Darius Slaytons and Darnell Mooney's could wreck this league. Oh, wait a second. Right. Darnell Mooney is, is Jerry, Jerry freaking Rice compared to what they have now. Because is, he, uh, is he? Darnell Mooney, he of 414 yards last year. He of. Uh, yeah, did it. He was so good. Before that. <laughs> he was so good. Stop. Stop. I don't want to hear anything about some like boomer counting stats, okay? <laughs> He was so good. Uh, like, I, Darnell Mooney would be an upgrade over MVS. I think he could do some of the clear out stuff. I, I was told Mahomes could make MVS. anybody work. So let's see it with, with, with I mean, Darnell Mooney. He did, he did make Mooney. them work. Like, again, like, I just, I, I want more upside, more excitement. But, like, actually, Darnell Mooney, if he's cheap, would honestly be a good. And Darius Slayton, who I've both kept both of them on my dynasty team. For oh, I'm totally down for Darius Slayton, too. 
Slayton needs that needs to happen. Slayton, Slayton is like a wide, is like a t- top fifteen receiver. Yeah, in this yeah. I, uh, unfortunately, Slayton is, I believe, under contract for this upcoming uh, season. The good news uh, is his team hates him and tries to cut him every year. I, I, I never understood a team relationship. Every single training camp, I'm like 100. percent He's going to get traded for a fifth round pick, and they'll have to give up a conditional seventh. And they just keep him every time, even though he like. They very clearly don't think he's one of their best receivers. He also proves them wrong like two to three years in a row. He would also be like a great fit of like money ball, clear out guy, except probably better than MVS. He did commit a season ending drop against the Vikings two years ago. (sighs) We digress. Forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. You do, you think they're going to cut Darren Waller though and not Darius Slayton? Curious. What's up to that, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they cut Darren Waller because it would be so soon to cut bait on on a player they spent a lot on. But I do think among the more obvious from an outside perspective, not, you know, sunk costing it as much, Waller makes a ton of sense. He's going to turn 32 at the start of the season. He's appeared in 28 games over the past. Cannot stay healthy. Cannot stay healthy. 28 games over the past three seasons. 552 yards in his first year with the Giants. Actually, another team that I think would greatly benefit from uh, we need to backfill not receiver one, but receiver one through five is the Giants. So if they don't end up going uh, wide receiver early, I'd love to see them take multiple shots on wide receiver on day two and on day three because they have some solid role players and maybe they don't like need the true number one. But if you don't have that, you need to run four or five deep. And right now they run like uh, one and a half deep, maybe. Darren Waller might be more of like a renegotiation candidate. He has no guaranteed salary left, but I mean, there's no chance in hell this guy is getting $10.5 million this year. Like, no chance in hell. I you said he has no guaranteed money left? He has no guaranteed money on his 2024 salary. He might have like a bonus or something, but of his $10.5 million salary, none is guaranteed. For yeah, I mean, if that's the case, that also puts the Giants in a really good leverage spot, like you said, where like, you can earn it back in incentives is probably what they would tell him. To end the show, Kyle, why do you think Mike Williams is more likely cut candidate than Keenan Allen? Because they're both they're both cut candidates for the Chargers. They, every player on the Chargers roster is a cut candidate. And Kyle, like, real quick too, like what's the deal with he's injured? What's the deal with like injury guarantees and being hurt and all that? If you know off the top of your head. But get into that situation with the Chargers and why you think they might cut Mike Williams instead of Keenan Allen. Yeah, to my knowledge, he does not have injury guarantees. I mean, for a lot of players, that's exactly like it sounds. If you're not healthy at a certain date, some of your contract guarantees. It's why we saw players like Jimmy Garoppolo and Russell Wilson benched, even though like they could have kept playing there, but in their backups, it was so that they couldn't hurt and then claim a bunch of their money as guarantees in later years. Uh, and then there's like injury protection money, which is I think somewhere around $2 million if you get to claim the full amount of it, which in terms of the many hundreds of millions in cap space, Probably not the biggest deal, especially for a Chargers team that whether or not like there's an extra like 1.7 to 2 million in like injury protection that ticks in for his contract, they need to clear 40 some odd million and they have a bunch of good but aging players. I mean, both of their pass rushers, they have linebackers, like linemen that uh, will be options. I think Mike Williams is probably the most likely and especially versus Keenan Allen because the cap savings between the two are not that different, but the talent level simply is drastically different between the two. Mike Williams is a good outside player who I think he's more than just like the MBS clear out guy. He's a good jump ball winner, but they can save around about 20 million by cutting him over the past four seasons. He's topped 900 yards just one time. And he's already, I believe going to turn 28 or has turned 28. So to me, they have to, they're going to be cutting someone. Maybe they can trade people as well. Like I'm sure there will be trade talks about Khalil Mack and maybe even Joey Bosa. But that's like a starting point of we can work to trade guys. We have to cut some guys. Some guys will need restructured. I think Keenan Allen, just based on his talent level alone, should be the priority among almost all of their cut candidates, free agents, trade candidates to keep. And that probably means Mike Williams has to be moved on from. Well, I wasn't sure how we'd get to 60 minutes today. So it wasn't, wasn't it. the goal. And Folks, all, we got him. All we had to do was pour gasoline on an already simmering debate that we cannot stop having. And getting my talking points ready for next Tuesday. Yes. Uh, Pat, so I, I texted you at the uh, – I listened to the Tuesday show at which I heard about the, the debate. And unrelated, you mentioned Kenny Pickett. You're like, oh, he's got, well, as many touchdowns as interceptions. Oh, my God, he's got under a 2% touchdown rate. 
holy crap, he turns 26 this year. <laughs> and then 10 minutes later in the show, you go, he turns 26 in June. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was, oh, man, it It'd be a little better if it was December. Exactly. That's what you said. Um, so I lied. The reason I got thinking about this, I lied about Mike Williams' age. He will turn 30 uh, early in the season. Yeah, I was going to say, and, I feel like he's been 28 forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he'll turn 30 early in the season. He's got one 900-yard year in the past four years. Injuries, not the most efficient receiver. It's not like when he plays at a high level, he's a top five receiver. And this team has so much money to clear. Listen, yeah, if you're going to be 26, at least turn 26 in December. That's all I can say about <laughs> Kenny Pickett. Uh, so, wow, yeah, really good stuff. Thank you so much. Check out yeah, Denny's articles. Right. Denny's had a lot of good stuff on the site. Kyle's had a lot of amazing stuff on the site. They've, I've got my season's review still up. Got to get the work on my free agency content. Um, what are you doing for? Probably need to text DJ about that. Um, Denny and I, you, Denny, are we it's on air? Are we, are we going to tag team this primer again? Didn't we do that last year? Uh, are we? Are we ever? Yeah. Free agency primer will be live sometimes next week. We're going to have a lot of free agency content. We're going to have a lot of combine content next week and this week for Mr. Zach Kruger. Check that out too. Eric Froton's going to be getting in on the game. He's going to the combine. Um, So for Denny, for Kyle, and Pat, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for enduring our Ravens argument. And uh, we'll be back next week. You haven't heard about number crispy yet. Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.